Hey, how are you? It's Mary Bicknell. Welcome to Lead a Life Uncommon, where every Monday you're going to get a little biz bite to start your week off right. And then every Wednesday, we're going to deep dive into all things personal growth, where my goal is to help you have an aha every single week. You know, this podcast is for you, for the woman who's the go-getter, who knows there's more inside. And you know what? You're ready to smash through that self-imposed glass ceiling so you can finally see what you're made of. Ready? Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to Biz Bites Monday. I have a special guest, Ashley Monk, and I had to just say, stop talking. Let's hit record because it was so good. I didn't want y'all missing out on something. So Ashley and I have known each other for a little while. I consider her a great colleague that I can go to and ask questions and just get the real deal. And we can be honest and candid and, and that's a valuable thing in today's world. And I really appreciate you being here. So Let's just start, like share just a little bit about your background. Really, she's a marketing expert, but she's so much more than just some title. Um, I think what I really want to ask you is like, who's your ideal client? And let's talk about that. Tell me right now, who's your ideal client? If you had a hundred of her lined up going, I love you. What would you, who would that be? I love it, Mary. And I just adore you and think the feeling is mutual. So thank you yeah. so much for that kind intro. Um, oh my goodness. I think so highly of you and respect you, you so much as a colleague as well. Who is an ideal client? I would say somebody who is growth minded in a company that is ready to go from better to excellent. Mm-hmm. We really We work with service-based companies, whether, and we work with some online consulting companies, but we work with hotels, we work with event venues, catering venues, professionals that are really, really ready to take the next level and build the momentum that they already have to do that at scale. And so the way that I designed, really define myself as a marketing growth strategist that, you know, gives you no BS objectives that are actually going to fit your bottom line. So you can turn your possibilities and pipe dreams into things that you can measure that work for you and for your your business, not necessarily everyone else. So that's a little bit about me. Damn. I got chills. I was like, I was like, I'd never heard that like that. And it was so good. So there's, let's just, so in the first 10 minutes, we want to give some action Mm -hmm. pack and then you and I are going to continue our conversation for a half hour or something like that. Here's one of the things, like one of the reasons I said, right. One of the reasons I said, um, let's start hitting record is I want you to, because I know you've worked with a multitude of industries, Mm -hmm. online, offline, um, storefront, like brick and mortar, you know, Sally Joe just hanging up an online shingle. I want to ask you, do you find that, um, that in general people across all, let's just say across all business structures, if you will, or business entities, business, that there is a moment where they don't have a realistic expectation for what's possible, how to make it possible. And do you, so that's one piece. Here's the second, here's the side note of the conversation. Do you find that there's a difference in the online space versus the offline space? So first of all, let's just talk about, right? Where, whether somebody's buying a franchise, right? Every now and again, my daughter's like, I want Chipotle again. And I'm like, God damn it. I should have bought a Chipotle thing. Like it's like everywhere, man. I should have bought like one of them 10 years ago, or I don't even know when it came out. But do you find that those of us who are entrepreneurial, and I've been an entrepreneurial since I was 18 or before, right? Or business-minded. On one level, we have this um, go-getter mentality that we want it now. And we are disillusioned or we're not, maybe it's also because we're new, like we're, we don't really right. know how long things are going to take. Let's talk about that piece of the puzzle. So do you find that across whether it's a brick and mortar or a Sally online? 
The answer to both of your questions is yes. Do they all have unrealistic expectations to a point? Usually, yes. Is there a difference between online and brick and mortar? A thousand percent because the online business doesn't have a storefront or other extensions and they put all their eggs in online. Therefore, they expect a higher result. So let's talk about the expectations. So I would say just because, I mean, blame the pandemic, blame everything. I mean, everyone has shifted online. That is the that pandemic. I'm sick of yeah. the pandemic. Yeah, I know. I know. It changed some shit. It changed it some stuff. Yeah. And it progressed and accelerated things, online marketing, no exception. And so you see brick and mortar companies that had never even been online before. All of a sudden, there's like this keeping up with the Jones syndrome times like a million yes. because you're constantly confronted with your competitors. You have quick ways to monitor them. Everyone's doing this. And it's really just shiny object syndrome for marketing. Everyone wants to play with a shiny new toy that they don't already have without right. thinking about the ramifications on if it's the right thing for their business. So I'll give you an example that I like to use a popular yes. analogy. Um, I think about marketing and creating a strategy. Like I think about picking a car for a road trip. If you are driving, I live in Indianapolis, Indiana, and my family growing up would travel to Florida all the time. And so, you know, I took a different vehicle when my family would all pack up and we'd bring two two friends on spring break. There's four kids in the car, two parents. We're loading up. We're taking an SUV. We're pulling a trailer. We're planning lots and lots of stops, right? Because that's the vehicle that we need. And, you know, I compare marketing and what a lot of business owners do to being that single like hot shot that wants to speed down to Florida and ride their Corvette in Miami (laughs) and seeing everybody else and being like, you know what? They're taking this car. I need to pack all this stuff too. But it's like, they don't need it. Their lifestyle is different. Their needs are different. The point and the purpose of the trip is different. And this is the same thing that happens in business. Everybody just wants to, they see the vehicle that everybody else picked. They think that that vehicle will be the right one for them, but there are a lot of other factors that happen. And because of this comparison, and it happens all the time in the example of, oh, she's doing reels. I should be doing reels or, oh my gosh, everybody says I need to do ads. I need to do a YouTube channel. And it's like, you aren't even thinking about if your audience is there, what goals, let alone, I mean, you should never, in my opinion, invest in any marketing until you know the purpose behind it. And that's the gap. And so as a result of all of these different things vying at our attention, that's why so many people are pulling in different expectations. Now, here's the issue with the online space compared to brick and mortar. Brick and mortar are not as desperate, in my opinion, and maybe desperate is a harsh word, but it's true. If you're an online business owner, social media and advertising and other forms of content are your digital real estate. They are, you know, brick and mortar. You can do some print marketing. You have a physical storefront. There are other areas that you can attract people And so typically by the time they're investing in advertising, you know, they've probably got a sustainable business practice in place. They've done some print ads. Maybe they're a little bit old school. They may have a little bit of unrealistic expectations based on what they've heard, but their eggs aren't all in one basket, which is the difference between online entrepreneurs. And so online entrepreneurs expect things yesterday. They see this messaging and these income promises of people making 10, 20, 30 X, like what they could be making times their revenue. And the issue is a lot of the times when people go to teach these strategies, they're already updated. And so here comes Joe Schmo coming to the bottom of this area and seeing all this messaging. Well, he expects it yesterday. He has the same expectations for his team and his marketing strategist, whoever he hires and ends up disappointed because he didn't get the result that so-and-so with 2 million followers got. And it's a real, and it comes, you know, part of it is unrealistic expectations. And the other two is the scarcity of like, I have to do it yesterday. And there's so much pressure. And, you know, you and I talked to, and someone used the analogy of building a business is like building a tree, but it's like, we want it to go up artificially 
three days yeah. ago and have this right. age treat. And it's just not how, you know, things can move quicker, but you know, there's still time and there's still testing involved. And I think a lot of people in the online space don't want to accept that, nor do they know that that is the expectation because it's not what they're being taught. Amen to that. So it's a couple of things. Let's break that down. You can tell we've talked a lot about this. So we're like in it, right? <laughs> Here's the first thing I want to say is, um, thank you for sharing that. And yes, yes, yes. Um, here's the point. It's kind of like, there's so many things to this and, and this may be my bias. I don't know whether it's because I've worked with a lot of people too, who won it all yesterday. Yep. There's something about the reality that like, hello people, you can go online and like, you really don't have a lot of expenses. Let's get real. My profit margin is extremely high, right? My, like, it's really good. You buy a whatever franchise, right? or you rent an office building for your whatever one shop Sally Jane service provider. Like there's such a different way. Like this is what I've noticed. And maybe this might be biased again, but sometimes when people are offline, they have a longer vision a little bit. Sure. They want it quicker, but, but when you've plunked down a year's, you've signed a lease for a year, Right. You know, you can't run that show. So you've hired a couple high schoolers and you've had to build out the interior of the thing, or you've had to buy the sofa or you've had to, there's so much more involved. It's like, it's almost like a big, I don't want to say it's a bigger commitment because I don't want to minimize those of us who do have online businesses. But to me, it feels like there's more of an acknowledgement that there's a long term, long, um, long time or investment in outcome when yeah. you're online, because you can just go on any social right now. And, and everybody's like making a million dollars, making it yeah. make seven figures tomorrow that, that people, that unrealistic expectation is like at the end of the day, what you said was old school, whether you're online or offline, old school business development takes time. And I think that a lot of people jumping on the online bandwagon are a not necessarily serious about building a long-term sustainable business. They're in it for the quick, 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 as opposed to, you know, you go around my hometown, I'm sure just like your hometown. And there's so many places that were closed because of COVID one of my favorite restaurants. And then there's the mama pop shop, right. That is selling like snow cones, which I'm like, we're in the Pacific Northwest. It's rainy a lot, but anyhow, that's another conversation, but they invested, they had to buy those, all that equipment or they're renting it or they signed that. Like, what do you think about that? Let's here's really the real question. What I hear you saying, and this is why this episode, everybody should, you know, save it because it's going, it's timeless because old school business development is timeless. While it's true that there might be some new types of marketing, longevity, sustainability, systems, strategy, planning, you know, slapping some hands, building in your community. Like what you said that was so powerful. And I, I want to reiterate this because it's, I'm going to pause just to, for drama. <laughs> you said offline people, by the time they pay for marketing, they've probably done a lot of stuff, right? You've probably gone to the PTA and said, I'm doing, you know, I bought Chipotle or whatever, or I'm, you know, I'm the, the snow cone people, or I'm the dog walker, I'm whatever the heck it is. They've built around their local community and whether they've sent out flyers or they've gone to the chamber and then they introduce themselves, there's something else there than you just jump online. So what you said was there's some, um, 
there's already some building um, of yeah, what they've done. There's a business acumen that already, I was like looking for the word. Yes. Yeah, but it's true because they do. I mean, they're like you said, they're more seasoned. They're going and having, you know, online space did with a trend as you invest in a course or a program and they're great. They can be great tools for your business, but the local business owner is probably going to talk to a lender to get a loan. They're probably working with a bookkeeper. They're probably doing things, maybe some of the old fashioned way. And it's not to say that there's not room for improvement. And I mean, right. sometimes you see the other extreme and the truth is always somewhere in the middle, but the point being, you know, <sighs> shortcuts tend to not work long-term. That's it. And that's what I see in the online space. I mean, they can work first. I mean, you can take a quick detour or like a different roundabout way, but at the end of the day, you've, you've got to stay course. And you're right. I think, I think the number one factor that I see lacking in the online space and you nailed on the head, um, and not everyone does this, but you know, the draw is to make money quickly with high profit. And that's a great thing. That's effective thing. The issue is that I don't think that there is the vision that is necessary. And that's the key component. And that's the difference between, you know, someone who's doing this for one or two years and 10 years is they have the vision and they have the longevity that they're not making decisions about their happiness and their profit margins right now. They're thinking one year, five years, 10 years in the future. And sure, there are a lot of changes that are going to happen, yes, in between, right. but they're playing the long game. And the thing that happens, I think so often in the online space too, is, you know, it's, it's almost in some cases, you put all your eggs in one basket and you're building a business on a house of cards. And when the strategy or the next short squeeze or that tactic changes, and you've built your business on that, well, we may have an issue. And that's where that longevity piece and having some of that acumen are are very, very important factors to be able to grow your business sustainably. If that's your goal and you want to, you know, continue to evolve and adapt your company and serve more people. Yes. So for their quick 10 minutes, right. And then we'll continue. This is really what I hear you saying. So everybody, this is what you need to do. What is your long-term vision? Yes. Have you mapped that out? Is it one year, five year, three year, you know, 10 year, what does this look like? And if you've not done that exercise, sitting down and really thinking about what it is that you want, that should be a moment for you, a moment of reckoning that what you may be building may not be sustainable. Is that fair? Oh, it's so true. And, and on a, yeah, one more quick thought is that strategic planning piece, that vision and mission values and your marketing should fall underneath it. Figure out where you want to go, how you want to execute it, and then don't invest in any marketing until you plan those things because your marketing should be the table legs that support that overall table. That's the foundation. So instead of jumping to the next trend, you'll actually have marketing efforts and a strategy that supports where you're going and you'll end up there instead of just, you know, hopping in the car and not using a GPS and wondering where you're going to end up. That's the equivalent to what most people do with their marketing. It's got to change. I just was working with one of my clients and she has um, uh, an eight figure business and she brought in a social media person who's still learning really their industry and, and great person, you know, it's been fun working with them. But one of the things he's like, well, I've, you know, I'm and like one month, may, not even one month in, like I'm looking to hire like a, a big crew to come in and do a big marketing campaign with like video and everything. And I'm like, I don't think it's the right time for that. (laughs) You know, it sounds sexy though, right? It sounds exciting. It sounds sexy to bring on a team and to do all these 
things, but you've got to put those blinders on and think through what, again, that's where vision is so important. Otherwise it is just keeping up with the Joneses and, oh, they brought a Corvette. I'm going to buy a Corvette too. Oh, they're doing reels. I'm going to do reels too. And if it's not meeting your goals and your vision for your, I mean, really a coach said this to me and it stuck with me. Your business is really the vehicle to carry out your life's work. That's really what the purpose of your business is. And if you really want, I mean, success without being able to achieve what you want in your personal happiness, what's the point? I mean, at that point, you're just achieving goals for the sake of goals and who cares? I mean, and you'll end up flat every time. And I think when you do have that long-term vision, here's the thing I say to clients a lot of times, like, well, what if it does take you three years? What if it takes you a year to get your first client? What if it takes you, you, so you want to add on this thing, but what if it takes, you know, and people are like, what? And I'm like, I don't understand that. Right. On one level, again, it's like, I don't want to buy into this microwave kind of society. It's like, you know, if it's not worthy that it could take a little time because you've got some stuff you got to learn, or you've got to perfect or your, you know, your language or showing up or whatever it is, if you're not willing to allow for it to take time, then what's the point? I mean, are you not so sold on your own thing that you don't want to like, I don't understand that. What do you think about that? Oh my gosh. I mean, I think you nailed it on the head. Like if you aren't willing to be doing this in five years or 10 years, then what's the point? I mean, really you're going to invest all this time and effort into something. I mean, will it actually be sustainable? Will it serve you? And the answer is probably not. I mean, that doesn't mean you can't pivot. I mean, you and I are both talking about that. I've pivoted quite a bit. There are a lot of changes happening and I've evolved along the way, but ultimately that vision and mission has stayed at the center. And I think that's why it gives me a reason and a why to stay on track when things do get hard. And then otherwise, like you said, you're going to fall by the wayside if you don't have that compass or that, you know, that North star or whatever you may call it, that's going to point you and propel you forward. I mean, if money is the end all be all, and like you said, it takes longer than you think, then what's going to keep you in the game? What's going to keep you in the race? Probably nothing. And that I see that happen so often people just fall off. Well, I think, and you know, this is just a side note and I wasn't, I hadn't mentioned that I was going to bring this up, but exactly what you're saying about the mission. Like, what is your life mission? What is, you know, I'm all about the mindset. I'm all about the psychology. I love that. Yes, I can do the business consulting and I do that. And I love that. But really my, my real deal passion is all of the um, busting through all our limitations. And, you know, what I find that is uh, also like, um, I think a contributor to the problem here is, is that no one is really talking about that, what you just said, mission. And I talk about it, but not everybody really talks about like, what's your real mission? And, and because we're so like, what's your passion? And I'm like, my passions change, girl. I got a 15 year old. And they're going to change. <laughs> yes. And they should. Right. But if you're building your business with the mission to do X, Y, and Z to accomplish, to serve, et cetera, you know, that helps you be sustainable, but passions, like sometimes I've been passionate about like, um, I bought everything. I took a 10 week cake decorating class and I was passionate during that time. And I've never used those damn tips ever again, because I didn't like it anymore. And then it's like all these other things I've sent, like, you know, your passions change. And I think what you see sometimes online and almost on all socials, because now, although each one has its own quote face, they're almost feeling a little similar, but anyhow, side note, but yeah, you, you go online and people are like, find your passion or, you know, live with flow and ease. Meanwhile, people who are building some brick and mortar, I don't know that maybe they're not online. Maybe I'm just jaded today. I'm feeling a little jaded today about the online space. Um, 
(laughs) And, and I think it's the, um, let's get back to strategy a little bit real quick. Also, like, let's define what that really is, because Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes strategy for people that just means, you know, I think I'm going to do it like this. It's not a lot of forethought. It's not a lot of projecting. It's not a, a lot of like thinking about, um, layering, okay, what comes after this, like all of that. Can you define how you interpret strategy and what you actually, what you say to your own clients? Like we're going to build your strategy. What does that even mean? Such a great question. Marketing strategy is the why a marketing plan is the what the why has to come before the what, because otherwise what it just goes back to everything that we just spoke about. What's the point of doing all of this stuff and creating all of this content. If you don't know the overarching purpose and the theme behind it. Oh, can you still hear me, Mary? Okay. Well, we're going to continue this. My power just went out everybody. So we're going to, if you're hearing a little different audio, it's because we're going to be splicing all this together. So, and that's all good because I'm not, we're not re-recording this because, oh my God, it's so good. This top of the conversation. Are you there? I love it yeah. so much. I'm right here, but I love that. But yeah, we, that's exactly what we were talking about is the why and the what are two different things. And, you know, with so many people's marketing strategy, they are entering yeah. what first they're doing all these things and they're not really thinking through the bottom line. So when we create a strategy for someone, what we're really looking at are what are your business goals? What do you ac- want to accomplish over the next six months? And then let's translate what you want to accomplish into actual marketing objectives that hit your bottom line. So a lot of people, for instance, they come to me and they're like, I need Facebook ads. And I'm like, Do you actually need Facebook ads? What are your business goals? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to be known for? And, you know, maybe ads will align with that, but maybe they won't. And so really the purpose of a strategy is to make sure that we know why we're doing what we're doing and we know what we need to translate as KPIs and key performance indicators and other metrics so that we can measure the what once it comes to that point. So that's the difference. Perfect. I love that. So exactly what you're saying, um, as far as the strategy and here's the thing, I think that uh, back to, you know, like you said, if you want to run Facebook ads, great. If you don't, it's all about sitting down and answering some of the questions on, like we said, what's the main mission? What are some of the key and the, the whole thing about KPIs? Here's the thing. I find that a lot of times people, they're not even tracking to the level that they could. Now, granted, there's so many pieces of software out there available to you there for your profit, your sales calls, um, all the things. What is one of the, the first key questions with your clients to help you decide Number one, whether or not they are ready for whatever type of marketing, whether it's online marketing, offline marketing, and the various online marketings. That's the first question. And then how long does it usually take? I think this is a relevant question. How long would you say that it usually take to just practice? And so what I mean by practice is sometimes you have to test things. I think this goes back to the same issue on time, investment of time, because a lot of times people think, I'm just gonna throw up a Facebook ad and I'm gonna make a million dollars. There's also the the testing, whether it's Google ads, Facebook ads, YouTube ads, LinkedIn ads, like whatever, there's a moment of testing, whether it's, you know, you're sending out a note card in the mail, there's a moment of testing. So first speak a little bit to, um, how do you make the decision? A client is ready for marketing. 
Oh, so many great questions. We look at a few factors. Number one being revenue, you know, what is their annual revenue? If they brought in income or do they have a loan, things like that to be able to fund it because we want to make sure that they have the cash flow. Because really my motto is, you know, companies realistically, I think when you're growing and starting out 20% is a good barometer to invest in your marketing. And then as you continue to grow 10%, if you need to rely on it less because you've built up a name for yourself. So I would say annual revenue is one, what their marketing budget is, because you you know, people come to us and like, I want to spend 300 bucks. Like we cannot help you. And at that point, you know, if you're only what, I mean, that's not even including an agency fee, let alone ad spend. And so what we typically tell them, if you're not willing to spend money, then you're better off just saving your money and not doing it at all, quite frankly. So level that they're willing to invest and then level that they're willing to invest with no return, because that's the other thing, you know, you, there is strategy and, but at the end of the day, you cannot go into marketing just with an expectation that it's going to turn around immediately and that you're going to get a turn. And so that's where scarcity mentality really, really comes in. And, um, then at that point, it's just not effective because so many things change so quickly. And then the last area being, okay. Um, do you have like a clear customer journey? So is it very, very clear if we were to work together, do I know how to get in hold of you? Is that process at least refined enough? So no matter the vehicle that we're using, that we can direct people toward that process. Otherwise it becomes this mushy mess um, to be able to do that. And then as far as tracking and measuring performance and testing, I mean, it does take time. I would say three to six months is about that period to be able, I would say six months is when you would be able to make the decision. Is it working or is it not working? And at that point, if it's not working, then that's enough time. But um, I mean, usually when we work with clients, that first two to four weeks is all testing. I mean, it really, really is because what works for you will not work for me and so on and so forth. And right. I feel like that's where people get very, very impatient as they want to bypass that phase. But really that first month, you're really paying and investing in data to be able to expedite the informed decisions. People usually call it a wash, but it's not entirely true. You are paying for data that's going to amplify and more quickly help you if you know how to interpret it and use it correctly, guide the next steps that you need to take to the work for your business. Yeah, I totally agree with everything that you just said. And because um, on the front end, right, when somebody's making that first decision, maybe to do marketing and they're like, okay, you know, I'm going to spend whatever it is, a thousand bucks, five thousand dollars, whatever it is, plus agency fees. And you're like, well, you know what? This is just really testing. It's like, what? Or, you know, this is going to be a wash, right? And it's really going to be by, by the end of three months, we're really going to know by the end of six months, we'll have it mastered. And, you know, when you're investing at that level, whatever level, it, it can feel a little scary, right? We know people who are, are investing tens of thousands, million dollar in, in ads. So the bottom line is, this is what I love about the testing stage though, personally, is I want that data. I mean, yeah. because once I refine that, I'm going to be dumping money onto those ads. I would rather go walk in knowing, okay, test it, test it and get it to work. Right. Right. And, and because then, then it becomes so much more fluid, right? Then, then it's like, let's crank up the ad spend. But I think one of the things that is really relevant, and, and I know that not everybody thinks about this wherever they are, whatever size business, um, at least on the front end, right? It's like, how solid is your process with your mm -hmm. client journey? And I've seen this, whether startups or small companies or larger companies, sometimes it's two things. One is like Sally's startup. Of course, she doesn't even have that in place, but here's the thing. And you probably have seen this too, where it's like established companies, they don't go back and refine their customer journey. So that 
ultimately that ROI on their spent, that ad spent may really pan out differently because maybe they built their business and it's just been like status quo. They haven't really refined it. Have you seen that as a problem as well? Oh, it is. And it's, you know, we don't always have to reinvent the wheel. And, you know, I think entrepreneurs get very, very impatient and the magic happens when you are able to make smaller and smaller and smaller changes over time, instead of making these drastic ones, because like you said, you have no way of knowing if it's going to work or not. If you make all these sweeping um, changes, our clients that are the most suspect um, successful from an advertising standpoint, we get to the point where we've been working with them for six months and a year. If we're now the caveat is that if we're running ads for the same offer or the same lead magnet to where they're able to get such, such great results, because we are testing granular details down to does a red button perform better or a yellow button? Should we use a headshot with them holding this product or without a product item at all? And we're able to just slowly, but surely, I mean, the same is true of any professional athlete. Like you don't just go and learn a new position. If you aren't good in one, typically if you're playing at that level, it's like, okay, I just need to improve the accuracy by this much to get better stats. And that's really where the high performers, um, if they have the patience, and the caliber to be able to wait, make, to wait that out, they're so much more successful. Yes. Well, I love our conversation today, Ashley. I know you and I could talk all day about this and there's so much, I know it's so juicy and so good. You've given so many amazing um, tips and really jogged people's thinking on how they should look at their businesses and where they should invest energy. So, and just your candor, I really appreciate it. How can everybody get a hold of you, find you all across all the socials, all the things? Oh, thank you, Mary. I so appreciate it. And I love this conversation. You can find me. Our website is onyamark.com. Um, our whole tagline is on your market set grow because we want to help companies grow and move beyond the finish line. And then of course you can find me, Ashley Monk. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm, I am Ashley Monk on Instagram. And I'm of course, because of the nature of what I do, I feel like I live on social media. So I will see you there. That sounds great. Here's your last question. How do you define being a woman who does lead a life uncommon? Oof, that is such a great and loaded question that you threw at me, but I think it's so <laughs> great. So to try and avoid giving you a cop-out answer, I would say living a life uncommon would be really defining what success and what success in life overall is for you and being willing to step outside of what norms in society, what other people are doing for your own form of personal excellence and to be able to fulfill what it is according to your personal mission. Super great. Thank you. Love you. Talk to you all day. Go enjoy the rest of the day. Everybody, um, make sure you connect with Ashley and listen to this over and over so that you can really hear her years of um, experience, her words of wisdom to help you create the business that you want and the mission that you want. So thank you, Ashley. We'll talk again. Thanks, Mary. You too. Hey, you've been listening to the Lead a Life Uncommon podcast. I'm here helping you create a life to allow you to do whatever the heck you want to do whenever you want to do it. If you got some value out of this, I'm going to ask you pop over and give a five-star review, subscribe and share this with a girlfriend, you know, is ready to lead a life uncommon herself. And I want to give you a couple of things. Number one is pop over to marybicknell.com slash podcast. I have something called the guide to your hidden thoughts around money and success. You're going to uncover some good stuff there. It's a little workshop I'm giving to you. And another thing I want you to take advantage of is this exercise I did all around connecting with your evolved future self. 
You're going to love this exercise. It's going to be fantastic. In fact, when you're done, please, please, please go and tag me on Instagram or any of the socials and tell me what you thought. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say and I'll chat with you soon. Bye now.